But I think that's a little bit part of just dog parenthood. Things are going to come up no matter where you get your dog from, and you're going to need to deal with it. Welcome to the With a Dog podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. We interview veterinarians, trainers, products, and game-changing pet parents about how you can get the most out of life with a dog. We're your hosts. I'm Izzy. And I'm Carly. We've got a solo episode for you guys today. Super exciting. We've told you this episode was coming out, and it's finally here. It's the start of a new series of episodes about adopting a dog. Um, this one is part one. So we're kind of breaking down the barriers and common misconceptions people have around adopting. The next episodes on the series will be deciding what your priorities should be for your lifestyle and how to find the right fit. Then after that will be how to find a responsible or reputable rescue or shelter and what to expect from the process of adopting. Yep, yep. I hope everyone really enjoys this. We put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, but a bit more about this episode. Um, so as you all know, me and Carly have both worked in shelters um, and we've got quite a lot of experience in that area and all of our dogs have been rescued as well. So adoption is very near and dear to our hearts. Um, so we just wanted to talk a little bit more about the whole process and some common misconceptions and just to, again, have a more of an open discussion about those and just kind of give our two cents on the whole situation. Yeah, as Izzy said, this episode is based on our experiences, on our cumulative experience of over 20 years working in the animal welfare field. This is a great episode to send to someone who maybe has concerns about adopting or maybe someone who needs a little bit more education on the subject. We did pull all of these kind of reasons against adopting from our community. So thank you for everyone who participated in that way. All right. Do we want to just jump into it? Yeah, let's just jump in. Um, So the first um, kind of section we're going to talk about is um, history is a huge concern for people who are going through the adoption process, not knowing where they've come from, who their parents are, and how that relates to the animal's health. So yeah, let's just dive in. So some of the points made in this section is not being able to know the personalities of the parents, not being able to test parents for certain diseases, good breeding to prevent common health issues within the breed. So that's kind of just everything about the health and temperament genetic wise on these dogs. And I think we could just jump into our our points. Yeah. So just because you know their general health history, it does not bar future problems. Every individual dog is going to have a health issue at some point. Um, And I think as a dog owner, you just need to be okay with that. I completely agree. I can say Lupin as an example. He got diagnosed with Addison's disease. That is not something that is known in his breed. It's not a common disease. It's not something that would have been health tested if I had gotten him like purebred as a puppy or anything like that. And then also, he's had two obstructions uh, in his lifetime that we've had him in the six years. (laughs) And I don't know how they happen, just eating grass and other things. It's a story for another time. But those cost so much money. And those are things that we never could have foreseen. And I think our point with just saying that is that 
you may get health testing. You may know the complete background of the breed. However, as Izzy said, every dog is going to have medical issues throughout their lifetime. And you're you're going to have to be okay with that. And you're going to have to be prepared for that. And knowing a ton of the health history is not going to change that. The one thing it does change is that pet insurance will cover it because it's not an issue. Yeah. You will get them with, as long as the veterinarian at the rescue or whatever health papers they come with from the rescue or shelter um, says within normal limits, and nothing is a pre-existing condition. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no pre-existing it be, conditions. Yeah, it'll be great. We know pet insurance isn't like a cure-all for everything. They don't cover everything. However, you're on a, a pretty good foot there. Just having a general rescue dog, no pre-existing conditions. You're you're set up for success for them to cover quite a bit if you get pet insurance. Correct. And then as we learned in last episode with Sean, health testing does not rule out everything. So I kind of just alluded to that, you know, it doesn't bar future problems, but also it does not rule out every type of disease that your dog could have. It's usually just what's laid out by the AKC recommendations. And some breeds still have very common health issues that are not on those lists. Uh, The last point, also something we learned from last episode, is that if you have a genetic hybrid dog, so that is basically a dog that is maybe a couple different breeds, a, a mutt, for lack of a better word, you have a higher chance of that dog being healthier because they have a mix of different genes that are naturally selected to make them healthier rather than artificial selection that maybe their genes aren't as varied. So they have a higher chance for certain health problems. Go back and listen to last week's episode if you haven't, and you'll understand what I'm saying. (laughs) And I think just to round out that section, for a standard pet, these things don't or shouldn't matter too much as long as they meet other criteria. And as long as you are aware that and okay with the fact that every dog is going to have some kind of health issue at some point in their life. And you have a plan to be able to deal with it, whether that's saving or insurance or, you know, finding a good vet. There's lots of different things that you have to think about this. So completely agree. You know, as much money as I've spent on Lupin with his medical needs, that would not have changed my mind for getting him as a dog is all I'm going to say. And he has had lots of medical issues. And yes, he's a rescue, but technically he's a purebred. So I just want to say, I maybe I would have gotten pet insurance a bit sooner to help with those costs. But I don't think having a dog that has potential medical issues in the future, it should not matter when you actually get the dog itself. Agreed. Cool. Uh, all right, next section. Next section. So this is still on the history, but this is behavioral his- history. So this, I think, this section is what people have the most concerns about mm-hmm. in our yeah. experience. And I totally get it. Yeah. We have 100%. I think this would probably be something that I would be the most concerned about as well um, if I hadn't have worked in shelters is just, A, not knowing not knowing what issues I'm going to come across, but be like not knowing how I would be able to handle them either. Yes. Yeah. Especially if you were a first time dog owner and having mm-hmm. certain misgivings about, can I handle this yeah. kind of thing? Not, not have had a dog before. So I understand people's 
hesitation with this. Um, some of the things that people kind of just said is like, it's a wild card. What if they've ha- the dog has had past trauma? I've heard rescue dogs can be more aggressive because of their past abuse. Or, you know, what if they're abused in the past and they have issues nowadays with it? All valid reasons. And I think... But widely... Yeah. Not correct. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think we also have to remember that the majority of dogs in shelters have not been abused. There are mm-hmm. abusive cases, but I would say the majority of dogs are not in shelters because of abuse. Correct. It's for other reasons. And most of them are perfectly great animals that will do absolutely great in a home. And there's definitely things that, like the major ones, dog reactivity, food aggression, they're things that the rescue and shelter will know about. Granted, they may not know if they are scared of stairs or, I don't know, if they're scared of people who are wearing blue hats because they Mm -hmm. they can't test for every single situation and scenario. But they'll be able to tell you if they are experiencing any of the major issues. For sure. I mean, going a little bit into Izzy and I working at the shelter and we were employees, not volunteers. So we were there day in and day out. And we had a board that said, you know, this dog potentially doesn't like men, you know, prefers a female to walk him, like stuff like that. You know, so we were aware of these things, you know, when the dog was fed every day, we were aware of if they would have, as you said, like food aggression or something like that. And um, if the dog doesn't get along with other dogs, like we to exercise the dogs on a lot of days, we would put them together with some other dogs and let them play. And also then at the same time, be testing their behavior and play style and things like that to then relay that information to the potential adopter to say, yeah, they really got along with these other dogs that we had in the shelter too. So I feel like people think that it's a complete unknown and it's really not like you, if the dog had only been there maybe a couple days, then maybe you couldn't see, like maybe there's less information, Yeah, but by and large, you can definitely get that kind of info from yeah. the rescue. I think at least the big stuff. The big mm-hmm. stuff that you need to plan for and to have something in place, you'll definitely be able to find that out from the staff at the yeah. shelter or the rescue. Also, post-adoption, there is so much help and resources at mm-hmm. that rescue or shelter, or should be if you go to a good one, that if you are having any issues, you can contact them and ask them for advice. They know these types of dogs in and out and they've seen them come into a new environment when they came into the shelter and they should be able to guide you um, and give you some advice on that too. So never think that you have adopted an animal and then you're left out on your own. Definitely agree. I think we would, you know, like we would occasionally have people call in and say, hey, you know, this dog Fluffy that I got from you guys about a month ago, it seems like he's a little skittish on the leash. Did you guys notice that while he was there? Do you have any help? Like, is there anything that you recommend? And we would be able to impart these resources to them and look up the dog's notes. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it doesn't look like they ever had an issue. What type of leashes are you using? Maybe it's something they're not familiar with. Is it a harness or like whatever? And and talk your way through it a little bit. So, yeah, I think that there are certain things that the shelter can help with. Definitely post or rescue. Rescue or shelter can help with post-adoption. I think. You know, going back a little bit to what you were saying of like the shelter knowing that we say shelter, we mean we also mean rescue. It's habit. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's just what we're going to say. But 
also, you know, they'll know the big stuff, like we said, kind of some food aggression, maybe dog to dog aggression, leash aggression, things like that would be a pretty obvious if the dog had been there more than a few days. But like, as he said, maybe the dog wouldn't be scared of or is scared of a man in a blue hat or like whatever, they wouldn't know. So I have the perfect example with that with Albus. You know, I was able to test him beforehand of kind of see, you know, how he took a treat and speak with his foster dad and like all that kind of stuff about some of the big stuff. But Albus in a car, as I've talked about, is not good. (laughs) (laughs) And so no one no one would have known that beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just there's always going to be maybe something that you don't know fully about the dog. Yeah. And I think that's okay because that leads me into my next point of you can handle more than you think. I think yeah. I think a lot of people are very very scared especially if it's their first time it's if it's their first dog and they think that any behavioral issue is terrible. Yeah, and it, you know, you know what's funny? What's funny is like Albus in the car, I would much prefer to deal with that than deal with the whole plethora of puppy issues, the chewing, the barking, the teenage phase where they just don't listen to you, socializing them properly, and that's with dogs and with humans. Like mm-hmm. There is so much that can go wrong with having a puppy if you don't know what you're doing. Yes. I would much prefer to have Albie barking in the car than have to deal with all of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, but, he's yeah. the perfect dog. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> but yeah, he he really is. We were able to do all of these different, take all these different measures to make sure that he would fit what we wanted this time around. And so I think that's another point is find the right fit or slash balance of your priorities of a dog, which as we kind of said, we will be talking about next episode of mm-hmm. like determining your priorities. but. For instance, if you have small children and you're looking for a dog and you say, oh, I can't rescue because I don't know if they're good with kids or not, you you can find that out about the dog that you're interested yeah. in. And and that's your hard priority is good with kids, you yeah. know? And and so I think and I think that's fair to have certain priorities, but then other things maybe a little like lax about, you know, maybe they're not fully good at walking on a leash but that's something you can help you can easily train yeah and and i think that's the thing too is just that no matter if you get a puppy from a breeder or a dog from a rescue you are going to need to train them in pretty much all of the same things Mm -hmm. and fit them into your lifestyle the benefit is that sometimes the the ones from a shelter are already a bit trained i mean albie already knew like sit all, like a few, a few things. Lupin was our, and they were both fully potty trained. Mm-hmm. So you know, so I think it's just there's some give and take. Yeah, and I think if you do need to get professional help, a that's not something that you should be ashamed of. I think that's very, very smart of you. But also, would you rather pay for the uh, breeder fee plus the training? Yeah, <laughs> or just the training and a very, very small adoption fee in comparison. That's so true. Let's say the adoption fee is $100. And let's say there is a behavioral issue that needs to be addressed. And 
you end up paying about a thousand dollars for that behavioral issue. That that's on the high end. Personally, I have never paid for a trainer. We may for Albie's tr- car training, but that 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 is on more of I think the extreme end mm-hmm. of if there is a behavioral issue that needs to be addressed, or you can pay the three thousand. So that's like what one thousand one hundred total, or you can pay the three thousand dollars for the breeder dog. And then you still have to take them to puppy classes and yeah. all of this other potential training yeah, too. For sure. And there's puppies are just kind of going back to my point of like all of the issues with puppies. There is so much that can go wrong and that you are totally responsible for that. If they have an issue with men, if they have a fear of crowds or, you know, a busy space, that's on you. You did that to them. Actually, though. <laughs> it is. I feel like that's an honest truth that a lot of people don't want to. They don't want to admit. There, there's some that's genetic. Yes. There are some like temperament. Some anxi- yeah. Yes. Anxiety and stuff can be passed down. Yeah. Um, and there are, I guess, like there are aggressive traits as well. But if we're going by the argument of you want a puppy for a clean slate, like it doesn't really hold up. Yeah. Either way. That is why there's so many dogs in rescues that are between the ages of like six months and, or I guess zero to 18 months old, because they're going through these very normal puppy traits Mm -hmm. and people don't know how to handle it and they feel like they can't do it. So they're unable to care for them. Yeah. I mean, puppies, puppies are hard. Puppies are so hard. Okay. And that's why, yeah, you get all these like 18 month old dogs in the shelter because people couldn't hack it yeah of, like taking care of this dog when they were just presenting with normal dog behavior yeah. and they were just like oh you know oh the dog's aggressive here's in the shelter and they're not they just maybe they were a corgi and they were hurting. you know hurting yeah. they were nipping at the kids you know heels because they're a herder breed or whatever yeah and we don't we don't mean to rag on puppies at all. It's not about that. Um, I actually don't like puppies. Yeah. Unpopular opinion. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Maybe it's our years of having to clean up after them in the shelter. <laughs> Which, okay, that leads to another thing. You can get a puppy in a shelter. You can. There's, 100%. There are lots of puppies in the shelter. You definitely can get one there. So if yeah. you want that, you know, quote unquote blank slate and you don't want to be concerned about the behavioral history that's unknown, you can get a puppy from a shelter. You can indeed. I yeah. think the argument people have with getting a puppy from a shelter is you legit have no idea what it's going to grow up to be as in like a big dog or a small or a medium dog, I guess. You yeah. would know if it was a small dog. But like, I remember some puppies going out and, you know, we just have them down as a mixed breed. And we would get a picture of them like six months later, like, I had no idea they were going to look like this. And they look like a completely different dog. <laughs> and obviously, they love them. Yeah. But I think that's a concern that people have with puppies from shelters. It's a shelters. bit of a wild card. But it's not going to be, oh, you may get a 90-pound dog or a 30-pound dog. Like, yeah. You could tell. It's like yeah. maybe you'll get like 20 to 40, 20 to 50 pounds. Like, yeah. slight, like a little bit of variation. There's some range. Yeah, as far yeah. as that. Oh, good job. Good job, Arthur. Arthur doesn't like it because I adopted him when he was eight months old and I didn't like him for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) He's, yeah, we've got Albus snoring in the corner and then Artie over here doing a little... He's just grumbling it. Yeah. Um, Okay. So anyway, yeah, we don't mean to rag on puppies, but it's just, it comes up because people worry about the behavioral history. Yeah. 
that's why we were kind of talking about puppies, I think, a little bit much in that um, in that section. Yeah. And then just to kind of round it out just a little bit, if you have a good adoption advisor, um, and which you should going to a good rescue or shelter, they should be able to counsel you on how to handle any specific issues that might come up. They might be able to help you troubleshoot or help you say, you know, to prevent this, do this. Yeah, yeah, bit. yeah. They'll they'll help you find the right fit. Yeah, for your household, so you shouldn't have to worry about a bunch of unknowns yeah. or anything. Um, and just to round out this section, um, on my part, I honestly do believe that you can handle more than you think you can as far as various behavioral and health problems. Like I, I know that people don't. I know that you don't want to have to deal with those kind like potential problems or handling or dealing with things. But I think that's a little bit part of just dog parenthood is things are going to come up no matter where you get your dog from and you're going to need to to deal with it. And I think I just think it's so interesting, you know, having Lupin and Albie and mainly Lupin, all the stuff I went through with him, he was more of an extreme case, but it made me so resilient and it really just made me feel like I could do so much that I was able to really handle this. We we adopted an extremely like shy, fearful dog and we did have to dr- jump through hoops, but just, you know, oh, he doesn't like kids or he's afraid of strollers. He's afraid of wheelchairs, things like that. Okay. So we cross the street and go to the other sidewalk if yeah. there's a stroller coming towards us. There's an easy remedy. There's a lot of yeah. really easy remedies. And, you know, oh, he doesn't like kids. Well, we're not around any kids. And yeah. if we were, he would go in his crate in the bedroom. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, I think there's these things that we're like, oh my God, he doesn't like kids. Well, you know, are you 23 years old getting your first dog and you're rarely around kids? Then it's not really a problem. You know, and maybe don't bring them into crowded areas where little children will try to like grab them or something, which I think is is pretty easy to do. So, you know, or he didn't like people. He didn't like people walking towards him. He was very scared of that at first. We didn't bring him into into a downtown area type of situation until he's more comfortable with it. We, We worked with him for years and that was no problem for us. Like, as we said, you know, if there were groups of people like we would we lived in Kirkland at the time when we first got him I w- we would walk to go get coffee or something and go to the park afterwards and mike you know i would go and get my coffee and mike would stand around the corner with lupin like <laughs> I, I know it sounds like oh you know i couldn't you couldn't bring your dog to the coffee shop it's like he was 20 yards away just around the corner where it wasn't as busy grabbed yeah. the coffee and went like it just i don't know it just i feel like people make bigger deals out of a lot of these issues as they really are. And so that's, I just wanted to make the point of you can handle, I think, more than you think. And some of these issues, quote unquote issues, can have a easier fix than you think as well in your lifestyle. This is obviously not some big, big behavioral issues. I think Lupin's issues from the sounds of it, like, I think it, I think it was bigger than what you thought it was. Um, But I really liked what you said about how resilient it made you because I feel like you're a I mean I didn't know you before Lupin but I'm I'm sure you feel like you are a better person because of everything that you've been through with him and you've like handle you can handle anything in life no matter if it's dog related or not I know I mean I know people are gonna hate this comparison but if we ever decide to have kids I don't want to be like I feel fully ready I'll be it'll be great 
But like, <laughs> honestly, the sh- some of the shit that we've gone through, I'm kind of like, okay, we got this. Yeah. Like I, I feel more confident <laughs> yeah. in potentially having kids one day, maybe not, probably not, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but I feel, yeah, more confident in caring for another being. Yeah. And figuring shit out. Yeah. Basically. Love that. Okay. Next section. Okay. So people want something specific. Yes. That is, is that is this. This section. is the section. This is the section. And honest, honestly, it took me a really long time just to kind of think about it and get my head around it because that's honestly, that's just not the way that I think. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I see, I, I have seen so many animals in shelters. Like there just wasn't another way for me. So it, it did take me a long time just to kind of get my head around it. But I did manage to put in a lot of thought into kind yeah. of our answers and, and everything like that. So just a disclaimer, disclaimer for me. <laughs> <laughs> just a disclaimer. I think, yeah, I think the something specific is a unique like basically that's the section that we named it but basically it's people who said i want a specific breed that's hard to find in a rescue i want a dog that's going to be good for or have this specific temperament so they could maybe be a working dog and or a service yeah. dog and or, i can get behind that i can get behind dogs with jobs yeah um although um the Boeing people used to come and get bomb dogs from yeah. paws all the time they did yeah, yeah. Um, they, but yeah, they just needed like a high ball drive or, and they could mm-hmm. test for that during a visit. So anyway, but no, I can I definitely mean, get behind that, like service dogs for sure. Like you want the least amount of risk as possible. And it's more about, well, as far as like working dogs, it's more about temperament, mm-hmm. which as we said, you can definitely test for in the shelter or rescue environment. Yeah. I mean, after knowing Albie for like two months, I could definitely say he'd be like a great search and rescue kind of dog. Like, I think he's he's very eager to please. He loves the search aspect of things. He's very intuitively smart. So I think you could, mm. I think, yeah, for those, yeah. it's like about temperament. But for the service, it's temperament, I think, as well as a specific genetic and body shape. And like, I guess it depends like- on what service it is. But yes. yeah. yeah, I mean, regardless of what the job is, I can totally get behind. I can get behind that decision. Yeah. Yeah, it makes I sense. Think, I think there's ways around it, but I would understand. I understand that for sure. Yeah. Um, I think if you want a specific, so we have specific breed, you know, maybe you have an allergy and you need a hypoallergenic dog. I think I would just look at breed specific rescues. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. In that case, you can find the specific breed that you're looking for mm-hmm. while still, you know, helping the issue of overpopulation and still helping a dog that needs a home. You know, I grew up with black standard poodles. I find them adorable. That was our childhood dog. I'd love to get a, a rescue poodle or something like a standard poodle again. Mm-hmm. I think that would be great. And they do have, I've looked it up when I was first looking for a dog. I looked up and they do have black standard poodles at a breed specific rescue. Maybe they don't come up as often. And to add into that, you don't know their potential health history and stuff like that, which we just covered. But we already talked about that. Pet insurance. Yeah. Pet insurance. Great. <laughs> 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 no, okay. We will have an episode on pet insurance. We know it's not the end-all be-all of helping pets, but yeah. It definitely helps. It definitely helps. Yeah. So I would say that, especially also for a hypoallergenic breed, 
I think I think that is hard. If you have someone in your in immediate family that has a very severe allergy to mm-hmm. dog hair, I do get it. Mm-hmm. If you're just adopting because you're like, oh, I just want to see, I want them to be hypoallergenic just in case. It, I don't just know. in case of what? I don't like well, that, you oh, know my what? friend who comes over twice a year is allergic or something like yeah. that. I don't know. I'm I kind of feel like that's like meh. Yeah, I think it it depends on the situation. Yeah, just like you said, like someone immediate family, um, someone in the household. But there are breed specific rescues, and honestly, like the amount of poodle mixes that we saw in the shelter. Yeah. It it's a lot more than you think. Maybe they weren't in the past and maybe that's where this like myth comes from, but there are definitely a lot of poodle mixes in the past. Um there's also foster to adopt programs like we've discussed before. Um so if you're not sure if that dog is gonna work for your allergy, you can always enroll in one of those programs and just see how it goes and see how your allergies flare up if they do and yeah. kind of go from there. Yeah, I think that makes sense. There's yeah, there's lots of poodle mixes like small they're usually small breed so i understand that maybe there's not a lot of poodle mix large breeds in the shelter but hypoallergenic you know it's just it it goes back into finding something specific and if you specifically need a hypoallergenic dog someone in your immediate family is very allergic it it makes sense but as izzy said maybe they can also find a dog that is not or do a breed specific rescue. Yeah. And I think when you are looking for something specific, it is kind of like buying a house. You know, if you have a very specific outline of what you want and what you cannot compromise on, it's probably going to take you longer to find that house. And it is the same with dogs. If you are looking for something very specific that you are absolutely not willing to be flexible on any of those points, then it might take a little bit longer. The dog is out there. Mm-hmm. And don't forget that the the perfect dog is out there. It just might take a little bit longer than you would expect. Yeah. You just have to wait for them to come around. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. Next one kind of goes along with the sh- hypoallergenic. They don't want a dog that sheds. I mean, I I don't know. I find this reason stu- really stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I understand. It's annoying. Yeah. I, I but get, you're going to have to clean the house anyway. It's Do you it's not clean your house currently? Yeah. It's part of having a dog. Yeah. It flat out. Like it it comes with mm-hmm. having a dog. That's like saying I don't like going outside or something like I don't yeah. know, like oh I I don't like going on walks but I want a dog. It's like okay. It's part of the package. Yeah, it's it's part of the package. You can get a breed that doesn't shed that much or has shorter hair. So Albus has pretty short hair. He doesn't shed that much in comparison to like Arthur, who's a corgi, who is relentless, yeah, who has fluff everywhere, <laughs> which I actually didn't know about. I I didn't know a corgi shed that much. Anyways. Really? Yeah, the little fluffy hair. Well, yeah. So anyway, anyway <laughs> you can get a dog that does not shed that much. Yeah, and also deal with it. There's tons of modern contraptions oh, that yeah. can help you to make sure that there's not hair everywhere. Just maybe if you're if you're like, oh, I don't want to. A dog that sheds, I you know, that's why I want to get the golden doodle or like whatever, a dog that needs to be groomed. You can get a dog that needs to be groomed at the shelter or rescue a yeah. lot of times. Or you can just get one that has very minimal shedding. And so just do some research on that. Um, Kids was a big one. 
you know, yes. if you've got kids, you want to make sure obviously their safety is going to be number one priority. And I do totally get that. If it was me, I would look into um, a drug that's in foster care with kids. Yeah. So you can get that feedback and be like, oh, they've been in a, in a home with kids at the age of three. So I know that they're going to be fine with my kid who is six. This goes back into, we can say this applies as well to the behavior history section. Yeah. We kind of forgot to add that in is that going to a shelter or rescue where the dog is in foster care already with kids or maybe with cats or something like that will tell you so much about how mm -hmm. that dog is, Yeah, you know, in that environment. So, or you can also do a foster to adopt scenario yourself yeah too you know so that's kind of like a trial run see if there's any rescues or shelters that offer that of you so that's where you foster the dog for you know just to see if they are the right fit for your home and if not no worries they can go to the rest back to the rescue to find you know their proper home but if they are the right fit then great you can adopt them yep yay love that um yeah so i think there's kids you can definitely test for that, basically, um, to see if they are kid friendly. Albus, for instance, is ridiculously kid friendly. Yeah. And, and, but I think also going along with that, if you're worried about your kids and bringing a dog into their lives, make sure that you teach them how to have boundaries around dogs and hugely to, important how to behave around dogs and stuff. Even if it is their, their dog, you know, mm -hmm. the family dog, I think it's still really important to treat. Uh, teacher kids and we will try to have an episode on that at some point in the future as well well we kind of did okay we did yeah we did yeah. have one about like education about animals and or doing education in schools and for kids about how to behave and like learn more about mm. cats and dogs and wildlife and stuff but I think more like specific on to kids in the home yeah, yeah. how to yeah. teach your kids in the home yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, the next one, um, I'm going to try and say this without a tone. Wanting exactly what I want. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like this one. So sorry, whoever submitted this. Um, I think what needs to happen is like, I, I think the question of why just, just comes to mind. Like, do you really need it? So basically, this one was, I want exactly what I want. And full stop. Like, that's, that's my reason for not rescuing is mm -hmm. I want exactly what I want. Do like, you though? Yeah, I do really, you though? <laughs> really want a helicopter. But do you? But, but do I? <laughs> do I need it? I think is, yeah. you know, just because you want something, like, does it mean that you absolutely need it? Does that mm -hmm. prioritize animals needing homes? That's maybe something we can put in our next episode about priorities mm. is what are your wants and what are your needs? Because, yeah, I I don't I can't imagine thinking about another being that I want in my home and saying I want them exactly as I want. Yeah. And it's like, like, I mean, how about if they're not? Is that, and are we just talking about the appearance of the dog? Because that's what I mean, I guess that's what I'm picturing is someone saying, I want a black lab or you know yeah, whatever, whatever that breed is yeah how about all of the other things yeah. like is is it purely like i just think that's i think it's it you're never gonna get what exactly what you want even if yeah. even if from day one you do all of the quote-unquote things that you're supposed to do of as far as 
you know, genetic health testing and a really reputable breeder and all this kind of stuff, you're still dealing with a a being, like a dog that an individual. Exactly. Yeah. An individual, they are gonna end up having their own temperament and personality mm-hmm. and potential health issues that you could never foresee, even with all the genetic health testing. Yeah. And maybe when they're a puppy, they're a, you know, really like reddish color and it's like, oh, that's exactly what I want. And then they get older and they grow out of that and they're like a sandy blonde color. I it yeah. That that happens a lot with puppies, just so people know. Their their color that you get them when they are a puppy is not the color that they will be for a lot of breeds. I think, yeah. I think just uh taking a bit of a look into the why that is your statement. Yeah. And um yeah, just thinking about the big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if wanting exactly like what I want from a dog is more lifestyle based. Yes. And in which case you can apply, it doesn't matter what they look like. Mm-hmm. You can get that. Yes, you can get that from a breeder, but you can also get that from a shelter or a rescue and give a homeless dog a home. And I don't think this statement is talking about their personality because looks is the only thing that you would, you can only relate to a control. breeder. Yeah. Or the genetic health test, like wanting a specific breed. Yeah. And, and I get, I get wanting a specific breed. I, will probably want to get an American Foxhound again in the future because I have had such an amazing experience with Lupin and his breed. American Foxhound is, would be top. And then after that, uh, yeah, like I could probably rescue it because I don't care as much about yeah whatever else. Anyway, so I think... Uh, yeah, know your why. It's, yeah, yeah. Like, do you really? Yeah. I guess. Do is, you really? Is our rebuttal um, to that. Um, some people... Thank you, Arthur. Next one is um, same section, something specific, but people worry about not being able to bond with the dog if they rescue. I get that too. It took me a very long time to bond with Arthur. Yeah. Um, But you do. You You do. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely do. You know, you get to know each other. I mean, I've never gotten a dog from a breeder, so I don't know what that process is like. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've never had a puppy. I mean, I got Arthur when he was eight months, but not like an eight-week-old puppy. But it's just like having a roommate. You just have to get to know them and then you build a friendship. I think, yeah, it's almost like friendship comes first and then mm-hmm. like actually loving each other. It makes it sound like it's like an arranged marriage or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's kind of this. They are, they will have their own personalities sometimes, but that's going to be for any dog, mm-hmm. whether you get them as a puppy or not. And also to answer this, if you're worried about not bonding them with them, because they're older, you can get a puppy from a shelter once again. Yeah. But, you know, like, honestly, like what I was saying earlier about being, I feel more resilient going through the things I did with Lupin. And we went through them together. I feel like every new situation that I'm in with Lupin or Albus, it's another, it's another bonding moment. Yeah. You know, the first time we took Albie to the dog park, he was so excited. The first time that we went on the, a run together and we learned that he's really good at running with us. I think there's so many moments that you actually do bond and you learn it almost yeah. to me, it almost makes it more special because you learning these new things about the dog's personality yeah. that was already there. That's, I don't know. I think that's really cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. When I am um, Arthur first met a cat while he was in our care, um, I, 100% thought it was going to end badly and I was going to have to take him home. Um, but he was fine. He ignored the cats completely. And then it made me think, oh, maybe he used to live with cats. 
Maybe oh. he grew up with cats. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, we just learned a new thing about him. It, it is really special. Or when you guys go through another certain hurdle together, you know, we, Lupin and I experienced a lot of those with in London. Yeah. You know, going through different experiences together that you knew it was their first time doing that too. And yeah. Yeah. So don't, basically, I would say, don't worry about that. You will, you will bond with the dog. Yeah. And, and maybe I, it takes like six months to a year to fully feel that. But it's worth it. But like, yeah, it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. And I think that kind of leads us on to our next point of some people want the same experience as a previous dog that they've had. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be the same experience um, because you just need to love your dog as an individual because that's what they are. Yeah. So that's uh, some people said, you know, they, oh, well, we wanted to go back to the same breeder as we had for for their first dog. And, And I get that. But it's just like regardless you're going to get a different dog. And as you said, love your dog as an individual. And I think also maybe are you still grieving a mm-hmm. little bit about for that first one? Yeah. And I don't, yeah, it's like, do you want the exact same experience? Like, well, I, yeah, I get maybe having a similar breed or something like that. As I said, I haven't had a great experience with Lupin. So that's why our next dog, Alvis, we wanted a hound dog. Yeah. You know, we wanted a similar, but not the same. Yeah. So, so that I think that would just be my point is like, wow, I had never had a hound dog before Lupin totally fell in love with the foxhound breed. And we ended up getting a coonhound mix. And he is a completely different individual dog. Yeah. But also similar. Yeah. And he still has that cute little hound look that I want. So (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) Okay. So I think that rounds out that section. Sorry, that was a bit of a long one. It was, it was long, but um, this next section should go pretty quick, I hope. Yeah. And honestly, this is probably, again, one of the one of the biggest problems is rescue problems. Yes. Problems with the process. Ugh. This, this makes yeah. us mad. Very mad. <laughs> we were like kind of steaming a little bit when we were reading over people's issues that they've had with shelters or rescues. It's very frustrating when you have an overpopulation problem and these barriers are being built around these dogs for the best of intentions, but it's not helping the individual and it's not helping the humans wanting to adopt these dogs. Yeah. And it's very, very infuriating that someone without a yard can be denied for a dog. Mm-hmm. FYI, folks, I don't have a yard and I've got a very active dog. We make it work. Actually yes. makes us more active because we have to go outside. Yeah. I can't just chuck him in the yard. Yeah. So that, okay. So here's some of the issues. So this section is problems with actually adopting like so issues that they people have run into either at the shelter or with the rescue mm-hmm. and so maybe there's a high so this was pandemic specific there was a high competition for people wanting a dog from a shelter yeah and i guess like that's a good problem to have it is <laughs> yeah you know it makes me really sad that people wanted to get a dog and then w- wanted to get a dog from a shelter or rescue and then did not because uh, because there was such high competition to that, I would just say you can look far and wide. Like there are many rescues that do cross country mm-hmm. um, transfer. So even if your area, your shelter yeah, does not have any dogs for you, there, there are some out there for sure. Other reason like not being approved because the yard's not big enough. Someone said not a homeowner. I don't know if that meant that they were denied from the rescue because they weren't a homeowner, homeowner, or if they themselves felt like they couldn't because yeah. they're not a homeowner. Maybe either way. Yeah, maybe there was like a security deposit issue on an apartment. I don't, I'm, oh, that's something yeah. that they were worried about. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, in the last section, we missed one. It was about 
people saying that they there's a breed restriction at their apartment or something. What I just said, there are mes- rescues across country that do transportation. So you can, if I could find a hound dog in the Pacific Northwest, you can find a breed that meets your apartment's restrictions. Indeed. Yes. Um, anyway, anyway, back to the rescues. Application rejected for not keeping other dogs on preventative medications. This one, I was... That's interesting. Yeah, I I think it's location dependent. Here in Washington, we don't really have a heartworm problem. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be really stupid for... Well, I think it would be... Yeah, I think it would just be, be... Ridiculous. It would yeah. be ridiculous for someone to deny someone a dog because they don't give it heartworm medication. I do think it's a good idea, but yeah, it's not rife. However, if you're in Texas where it is rife, I could see the reasoning behind that because heart, I mean, especially with heartworm, it's like it's, a, it's yeah. a horrible, horrible disease. It's kind of willful negligence of yeah. your current dogs. And so it would, it would maybe make sense. The other one is application and adoption process takes too long was another reason that people gave. Basically, I think about this, as we said, it makes us really mad. We are going to go over how to adopt in a future episode and kind of what to look for and how to deal with shelters and rescues. But we understand it can be kind of a traumatic experience if you have your eye, you know, your heart set on this one dog that you found at a shelter and then your application was denied and then that sours you on the entire experience. I get that. But I, I think it's just don't give up because one shelter or rescue tells you no. Yeah. Um, maybe, it's not across the board. Yeah. Maybe that that specific shelter slash rescue had incorrect or had boundaries, very strict boundaries, basically, or yeah. rules or whatever to adopt. Um, as we said, this is something that kind of makes us a little steamed because we we believe that it should be we should make it as easy as possible for people to adopt. A lot of these rules that rescues have in place is because they really want the best for the for the dog. And maybe they're just not quite updated on the fact that you don't need a yard for yeah. a dog and, <laughs> and things like that. You know, maybe they're kind of just rules that have been grandfathered in mm-hmm. and the shelter is understaffed and underpaid and haven't had a chance to actually, you know, rethink their yeah. guidelines. So, yeah. So basically, we just say, you know, it's going to take time. But so does getting a dog from a responsible breeder yep. and doing all that kind of research. Um, we understand it can be a little traumatic, but just don't uh, don't give up just because you have one bad yeah. ex- or negative experience. If you were denied at one shelter and then we're like, oh, that's it. I'm going to a breeder. I kind of say shame on you a little bit. I mean, there are in Seattle think- alone. It's, it's a yeah. breed. I mean, Seattle is a very dog friendly area, but there are like five rescues and six sh- shelters I can think of off the top of my you head. You know what? I think there's actually like, a, I think I researched it and there was like 120 rescues in yeah. Washington. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. But like those are just the ones on, off the top of my head yeah. through like a Google search in the yeah. area that we could drive to. Yeah. So you you can do more than you think, basically. Yeah. Like there are, there are more options for shelters and stuff than you think. Yeah. And I would always tell people too, when I worked at the shelter was if, this isn't the right dog for you. Like that means the right dog is just around the corner. Like it, mm-hmm. just because you get denied for that one, it means it wasn't right. It wasn't fate. You know, yeah. if you believe in that. Um, but you know, ugh, how am I going to wear this? Um, 
every decision and every action that's made will lead you to the next. And you never know if you get the time it took for you to get denied for this one dog means that the actual right dog for you was their timeline was just catching up to yours. So you mm-hmm. could meet and be together. Yes. That's beautiful. I know. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yes. So completely in summary, agreed. Completely sorry. agree. Um, the only other thing that I would probably say with this is that sometimes, I, and this is not a good thing of adoption counselors to do, but sometimes maybe they they didn't tell you the full truth of why that dog was not the right fit for you. Maybe Maybe they said it's because you don't have a yard. But maybe that was specific to that dog who, you know, needed a lot of outdoor space or something like that, regular outdoor space, because that's what they were used to. Or maybe you got rejected, you know, like, basically, I'm just saying, like, sometimes, you know, maybe there were three people asking for that dog, and one of them kind of won out, and then the other, and you got denied because maybe that other home was a better fit. And so what? Yeah, like, kind of building on that we were in this exact um position at the previous shelter that i worked at once we had multiple applications for one dog and it literally Mm -hmm. came down like they were all great homes but it literally came down to like who had the the best of the best because everyone was great Mm -hmm. but one person had their fence was like one foot bigger and Mm -hmm. they had like an extra spare bedroom that they were going to turn into the dog's bedroom yeah, you know or they like had a, was, they had a kid that was two years older, so maybe a bit m- more mature, or like I you know, whatever. It was, yeah, and it there's was, always something. Yeah, so don't take it personally. The right fit is out there. The right shelter, the right rescue is out there for you. You just need to find it. Mm-hmm. Just like if you were going to go to a breeder, you need to find the right breeder for you. So don't forget yeah. to take that time. It's gonna getting a dog is not an overnight process, and just remember that no matter which decision you go with. Yes. So now, in summary, you never know what you're going to get. Please remember yes. that and love your dog for the individual that they are. You will have a much better experience and you will bond with them much quicker if you just accept that. And a vast majority of people are great adoption candidates. Amazing yeah, like, adoption candidates. I would say the general household. Mm-hmm. Kids, no kids. Yeah, I would, yeah. yeah. Like, I would just say, way above average like a huge majority of people can adopt 100 yeah. percent. and and you can find the dog that fits your lifestyle yes. for sure so guaranteed if you, think you can't adopt i would just leave with you with you probably can yeah and you know you <laughs> probably can and you can find the dog that fits what you want it may take a bit of research it may take some kind of reflection on your end and stuff like that but you can for sure. And it's not an overnight process. Just take the time. You'll be much better off for it. If you rush the process, you'll end up going to ir- someone who is irresponsible, um, not reputable, and you might suffer for that, whether that is um, monetary suffering or emotional mm-hmm. suffering of you and the dog. Done. Whew. Let us know if you have questions. Breaking down (laughs) adoption barriers. Yes. Let us know if you have questions. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Definitely let us know what you thought. Um, You can find us on Instagram at with a dog podcast. Facebook group is called I'm with a dog and peace out. See you next week. 
All content on With A Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer or behaviorist.